0: Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and this week I'm pleased to be joined by a man whose work helps all players to hit the ball really far. In fact, he's been a part of some of the biggest club franchises in the game, and I've been lucky enough to get club insight from him for a long, long time. He has seen a lot, and now he oversees a brand that has jumped by leaps and bounds since his arrival. Tom Olsavsky is the Vice President of Research and Development with Cobra Golf, and he joins us here on the range. Tom, it's great to talk with you. Yeah, Ralph, great seeing you and talking with you at the same time. Now, we've talked dozens of times on the Golf Spotlight, and I can tell our listeners that to learn all about the current Cobra line, all you got to do is go to thegolfspotlight.com, search Cobra. But I'm excited to talk because in this format, we can talk a little bit more in depth. And I want to start with your title, because as the Vice President of Research and Development, what does that really entail?
1: Well, it's interesting, Ralph, you know, we, uh, research and development is a a, a wide title. So it's also, there's also a design team in there. So those are kind of three steps in terms of getting a product to market is you got to do some research to figure out, you know, both what is needed and then also what's going to work, you know, from a structural engineering standpoint. So that's the research guys. They also do the testing. Um, And then we have a design team that basically does all our industrial design, all our CAD design. Uh, and then a lot of the, the prototypes back and forth, and then we have a development team. Um, so that's the research and development part. The development team is essentially a group that um, you know, really works closely both with the designers and the vendors to make sure that we can go make the product. So they're, uh, they're about getting the tooling made at the vendors, uh, working with the vendors on processes, uh, working with our designers on processes, uh, working on all the details. So our, our team is really responsible for bringing the product to market Um, from from an early stage all the way through into the production stages
0: now when you talk about uh, creating a new club say a driver from idea to actual production how long a process is that
1: well it's interesting because the idea part is the fuzzy front end as we call it you know and when you think about the idea um, some ideas are pretty interesting that you could do right away and some you have to spend more time on so what we have at Cobra Golf is an innovation team that's out in front of us. And that innovation team sort of is, and we all work together on ideas, there's no shortage of ideas or number of people that can do that. But what happens is that innovation team is there to go create that first idea and see if it works. And so in many cases, they're going to try a number of different uh, ideas to go prototype those. And that is kind of our innovation phase. So. You know, we go through that and that may take a year or two sometimes, depending on the complexity of the product. And then what we do is then we turn it over to what we kind of call the commercial team and that's my group. Um, And basically we, we go in and say about 18 months prior to the launch of a product, we have to actually take what we get from innovation and turn it into a product. So they have made maybe a prototype and the prototype doesn't have any look or design or features or anything like that. It may have just one technology. And then so we get together with our commercial team uh, and our innovation team. We have these big mashup meetings where we say, hey, what do we got? Um, And we kind of like behind you, I can see the shelf, you know, with all your shoes and things like that up there. Um, We basically have a shelf of technologies. We try and stock that shelf from the innovation team. And then we go and say, hey, what's going to be exciting in the market? How do we bring it to market? What do we have to do? Um, We do early on in some cases, look at what, what does it cost to do this, you know, and how challenging will it be to make? So it's a pretty involved process you know that really kicks off about 18 to 21 months in advance for a major project but that that idea may have been a year or two or sometimes even three in the gestation uh of the of the design process so and that's pretty similar ralph you know i worked at a couple of places pretty similar to what the other companies do is you really have to have a lot of ideas you know i think thomas edison said you know, how you have some good ideas you have you have a lot of bad ones too so we we have to go kind of test some of those ideas early on to make sure that they work and give us a performance benefit um, and and that's really the, uh, the way we do it at, at Cobra Golf.
0: I look at your last couple of years with the uh, king drivers the f9 and the speed zone where you were able to move the weight really low and in, in deep into the club. You don't just do that. Like, that's really an incremental move, isn't it? That you start, you know what, I think this might be working. Let's try in this model as we keep moving it a little bit further down the line.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, Ralph, because that design was, you know, we, we talked about the weighting, but we also talked about aerodynamics. And usually the trade-off has been good aerodynamics, but bad weighting, if you will. You know, you don't get low CG out of good aerodynamics in the early designs in the industry. So we were trying to marry those two. And that was something that was unique to the industry in uh, 2019. Um, you know, and the hard thing about what we do is a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of smart people in our industry, everybody's trying different ideas. Um, sometimes it's the marriage idea that makes a very successful product. So that was something that we worked hard on and said, hey, how do we how do we get faster speeds and better ball flights? That's always the, the goal in the end. And you have to marry some of that aerodynamics into some of the weighting. And, and like you said, the weighting is, Taking a couple grams from the here and a couple grams from there, and two grams from the face and two grams from the crown, or five grams or whatever you can get, you know. So that's a lot of times what the innovation guys are working on. Hey, how can we save five grams off a crown, or how can we save two grams off a face? Uh, so all those things really start early on as an idea, and once you get them and then can use them into a product, that's where you get the you know the magic recipe of better performance for all kinds of golfers.
0: It's funny you talk about the magic recipe because I think about that in terms of really staff. I mean, for years that I've known you, you've had a lot of really, really talented people around. And when people think about like collaborating on clubs, Really, you're not even collaborating on the club. You're collaborating on a lot of different pieces of technology. And then somebody's trying to put it into the mix in a stew and see what comes out that really works as a combo.
1: Yeah, right. And that's that's kind of our team. You know, we're the we're the guys making the stew from all these pieces that we get. So, you know, that's where you you look at the integration of the product, you look at the industrial design. You know, you look at the, you know, how do we sell the product? What's the main theme, stories? You know, what are we going to talk about from a marketing perspective? And you know, Jose works with us closely on all that stuff, and uh, Mike Yagley, who heads up the innovation team. You know, well, we all work very closely together to come up with the best product that we can. And uh, you know, we're always looking at the market, but we're always looking at technologies too. So it's um, it's a fun process. It's a little bit strained at times because you know, it's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things to try to understand and figure out. And there's always at some point, you know, we, we push the time clock. So when the time clock starts, you know, that's when it gets a little bit stressful.
0: Well, I imagine one of the things that really allowed you to get to where you are now is the innovation. And then we're going way back, but of movable weights, because it was when you started being able to allow movable weights for customization that you really started to see, Oh, this is where weight should be in the club to allow for more permanent weights. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, and that's been something that when I got in the industry way back when, you know, in 1990, what you used to do on a metalwood or a driver particularly was you would cast it light as thin as you could make it and then you would start putting lead tape all over the head and you test all those variations to see what works best. And A lot of it was learning the basic physics of how how golf clubs work and what happens when you have different hits and all those kinds of things. So um, that was the old process of, you know, <laughs> putting lead tape on heads and testing them. And it was interesting because there was a period there where we started saying, hey, let's, well, let's, instead of doing lead tape, because lead tape only lasts a certain time and it falls off. And, you know, you, you know, it's a little bit of a messy process when you're trying to hit golf club for a lot of people. So then we say, well, let's, let's make it actually a little bit of an area where you could put a little screw in there. And we used to call those Franken drivers, And, you know, those were design to say hey, okay now we can move this weight around and you know and mess around a lot easier with it with a screw that's gonna stay in versus lead tape that could fly off after five people hit it um, so that was something that we did just on purpose because we knew kind of and when you look at a driver you know hey you want the weight kind of on the perimeters you know that's the whole idea of, of, a, of a metal head um, and you know that you're gonna put some on the perimeter so you usually put some space in the back space in the heel and toe and you do some testing and I remember, you know, one of the things that happened at, a, at another company was they ended up making all these different models and it cost a lot of money and they were giving a bunch of weight to the tour players. And we said, why can't we just take one of these franken clubs and make a real club out of that? You know, so that was the one thing that was spurring on the movable weights is, okay, this is something now that we can then give to the consumer. It's not just a research tool. It's something that we can. And that was a lot of work and process on how you make a weight stay in a head and, how do you then design all that stuff? So that was really something that was created to give the consumer something that the R&D guys have been doing for a number of years. Um, and it was really a, a big, big step forward at the time. So at Cobra Golf, we've been doing a lot of good things with movable weights because we know that they're very valuable. We know that the game now for many people in terms of golf clubs, especially drivers, is about fitting. So if you give that fitter more tools, um, it's, it's easier to work with. You know, And what, what you keep learning is, we talk about the center of gravity all the time, you know, we talk about moving it and things like that. And, but by definition, the center of gravity has to be in the center of the head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, when you think about that from a size and shape standpoint, those are some things that drive you to a certain center of gravity in one design versus another. So a lot of it's the materials, the shape, you know, you have some flexibility to move it around. Um, but it's always kind of in the center, you know, and I think that's the one thing that people forget um you know we we definitely know where the performance boundaries are um so we want to give you better performance and we want to give you options and that's where the the movement weights are, are very
0: helpful you talk about the franken club which makes me of course think of frankenstein's monster which wasn't exactly well received um but it takes me back to i think it was 2008 and you introduced the tour van in a box and mm-hmm. I remember I was actually at presentations at Bay Hill in Florida. I was there at Carlsbad. And people were disgusted. They were f- angry. Like, this is media members being introduced to this club. How dare you come up with an interchangeable shaft? And it was one of the funny things because I, I don't know if I'd ever seen that. I don't know if I've seen it since where people were just floored at this technology. And mm-hmm. this is going to change things. And they thought it was for the worst. And obviously, is it shown it's been for the best in terms of club design and and moving forward? It's certainly something that I see in a lot of Cobra designs.
1: Well, you know, when you think about that system, and that was something that the USGA came back to the manufacturers. And I know Dick Ruggie very well. He actually hired me at TaylorMade, and I've kept in close touch with him now that he's happy and retired in in Southern California. But his idea at the time of, of allowing that rule was, hey, we've got to give something back to these manufacturers that both helps their business. And it's something that the tour players already had. You know, the tour players had the ability to bend their heads and all this kind of stuff. And he said, this is something that we don't think is going to break the boundaries of distance, you know, which they're always guarded against at the USGA. And he said, but it adds flexibility and it makes it easier for people to do what tour players already have. They have the ability at the time, they had the ability to change shafts and bend heads and give them different performances very quickly. And it was a nice thing for us in the industry because it got people excited and it really widen the options for fitting. And that's where we know the market is. We know, you know, the options for fitting are huge and shafts are a big part of that. You know, we know that, uh, and I've always said as a club designer, I said, I could give you the perfect head for you, but the wrong shaft and you're gonna have less than good performance with it. So you gotta have both pieces, right? And the nice thing about the fitting process is it's, it's hands on, you're hitting the shots and it's exactly what fits you. Um, people have tried over the years to prescribe a fitting hey, based on your measurements or based on even looking at your swing on video or, or guessing from your handicap. But we know the real way to do that is to go in and have you hit some shots and get feedback and try different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we know that's the process that works and you see it being hugely successful now. So this interchangeable shaft system has been a boon to that uh, and really allowed it to be both cost-effective to us, to the fitters, the retail shops, the the pro shops, and it's really provided a, a great tool um, that you can get better at the fitting quicker, faster, without spending a ton of money. And you know, one of the things that everybody kind of forgets about from a golf industry perspective, like you said before, when people were unhappy about this new system, um, everybody forgets that you know we as equipment guys, you know, we kind of have to pay for all those fitting systems. Uh, in many cases, you know, there's a nominal charge to a retailer, but in many cases, if you're a smaller golf club shop, you know, you don't want to spend hundreds of dollars for a fitting cart, and especially the iron fitting carts, you know, where you can't, <laughs> where you can't sell off your seven irons. Um, you know, drivers are a little bit easier because you can sell them off, but they're kind of beat up and worn. So mm-hmm. you never really get full value out of them. Um, but this, uh, an interchangeable system makes it that much more effective for everybody to use. Uh, in many cases, what we see is, the guys reuse the shafts, you know, and shafts are expensive. So, you know, when you look at that, they can reuse shafts, the ones that stay popular, they can keep those and reusing them. And that's a benefit, but us OEMs have to pay for all that stuff, you know, up front. So it's a financial burden and it's pretty pricey. So I think, you know, when everybody says golf clubs are too expensive or you're making too much money, you know, we do provide a lot of tools for people to get fit for the industry and we think that's beneficial, but we do have to figure out how to, how to make it cost effectively.
0: I think back to prior clubs where it would say on the shaft that it was developed in conjunction with, say, Fujikura or something along those lines. Now, when you go to CobraGolf.com and you look at the speed zone drivers, well, you're there there is no stock shaft. You're really choosing from one of the options that are available where you've partnered with another company to provide the best performance.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the key thing is, you know, we just can't pre-fit every golfer. We know that there's options out there. Um, we try and provide a nice range of options so we get different performance aspects in our clubs Um, but when you look at it there's all kinds of swings you know golfers have all kinds of needs and that's why there's so many options you know just in shafts think about uh, a few specs you know weight right that's one then you got flex profile then you got torque you know so you have three variables that all can be varied pretty easily in graphite shafts and so how do I get the best one for me and you know when I've like I mentioned to you, Ralph, you know, we often had people come in over the years and say, well, why, why can't I get the shaft that Bryson plays or Ricky plays or someone else plays? I said, well, do you swing like that? And I said, if you do, yeah, you could probably get their shafts somehow. You know, certainly in the industry, you know, you can get one of those. But most people don't swing like that. You know, so, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it, it's the shaft structure that's important and the specs. Versus the actual, you know, model. And that's where the fitting process is great at finding out what's best for each
0: individual. When you joined Cobra back in 2013, Mm -hmm. what was one of your first goals to achieve with the brand? Because it's had so much success in the years since. But when you came in, what did you really want to do?
1: Well, you know, when I was brought in, it was really about, hey, how do we take this brand to the next level? You know, Cobra was a long storied brand and um, obviously Puma came in in 2010 and bought it. So You know, they were trying to build a team, uh, build it for growth, build it to be aggressive in terms of innovation. So that was, you know, I I think the key goal was how do we build the brand? So, you know, right when I started, um, Cobra had launched a product called the BioCell, which was a good product at the time. But it was like, hey, how do we take this a step up? Uh, We had a great team, you know, at Cobra. We had some experienced industry people. Uh, Some of my engineers have been in the industry over 20 years at different companies as well. Um, as well as you know myself and Jose had been uh, and Yagli had been through a few different companies. so you know there was a lot of great experience here, and was really, how do we work together and take it to the next level? Um, uh, we wanted to be considered a leader in innovation as Cobra had been throughout their history. So that was really uh, the strong goals was to uh, create this innovation team um, and this innovation mindset, you know about everything we do. And I think we do that every day. you know, every day we think, hey, how can we make this product better? Um what do we have to do to get golfers? more excited about our product you know so that involves a lot of things we do uh, both in the technologies as well as in the design you know when we think about design with colors and the id and shapes and names and all that stuff that's all pretty important we know uh, the golf purchase is is a lot like um, other things that we buy in life you know we buy with a lot of emotional attachment to the clubs uh, whether it's looks sound feel performance, um, you know, the brand position, you know, I think all those things are important of how we create a great product moving forward. And when I joined Cobra, you know, it was a lot similar to when I joined TaylorMade in 1996. Um, You know, they were, they were a good company. Both were were very good companies, but they were kind of about the same level at those two points in time. So uh, it felt very similar to me when I started a long time ago. Uh, at TaylorMade, you know, it was, a, it was a, at the time, a, you know, still a fairly young company. Um, Cobra, again, is is an old brand, but most of the people there are relatively, uh, in the last 10 years, you know, been at the company. We have a few 10-year people at Cobra Puma Golf, and there's a few people that were Cobra that came to us from the Acoustic days, but for the most part, it's a pretty uh, young, positive group. Uh, everybody thinks innovatively and, and works together as a team, so um, you know, my goals were just to be part of that and, and help grow it. You know, Bob Billion hired me and said, hey, T.O., you know, we got to make, you know, we aren't the biggest. You know, we got to make this the most fun place to work and we got to make it the most fun, you know, for people to buy our products. So those were kind of the things, um, you know, really that we focused on is, you know, how do we do those things and, and get great
0: product out. When I think of clubs that you and I have talked about over the years the one thing that comes to mind is explosive distance. It seems now now I'm not sure if that's really what you're going for, but that's what seems to always come out with all these clubs. Is that something that personally is, I want to see how I can make the ball just jump off the face and then figure out how to keep it straight.
1: Well, I think when you look at golfers, you know, and this is a bit of, you know, learning in the industry. Um, You know, I started with Ty Liss who was very conservative, but the learning back then was people buy for distance first and they kind of think of oh yeah I want some forgiveness too but they really say hey the forgiveness is kind of a little bit of my swing and how I hit it but if you give me a technology that goes further I'll, I'll manage that as a golfer you know and I think every golfer understands that of you know when you have a good swing and when you don't you know and so most people buy today I would say um, for that same reasons is hey if on my good swings what's gonna be better and they realize that their bad swings are a certain percentage of the time so that's why distance has always sold a little bit better. And, and especially now that you have launch monitors where you, where you can detect distance right away. Um, you know, 30 years ago, nobody had a launch monitor that was in a shop. The, the one that Titleist had was 100 pounds. I remember carrying that around Palm Springs in 1992 when it was 100, 110 degrees and we're carrying this 100 pound thing. Um, you know, it was it was some interesting times. But you know, now it's it's readily available and has been for a number of years. So when you people can see the numbers very quickly, um, we don't see people doing what I would call the statistical testing, where you do 10 shots with one club and 10 shots with the other, and you look at the standard deviations and the ellipses. That's what engineers do to look at performance. Um, they always say, well, which one did I hit farthest, you know, on my good shots? And I think that's where the fitters also guide them is, you know, that's what people want. You know, they want this distance. So, when you look at what we produce, and I think there's a number of other you know, ways we get there, but what you produce is it's always the first thing that people want is more distance, you know, and then they list the other things of accuracy and forgiveness and workability and all those things. But the first thing in drivers is always distance. Now I would say when you get to some of the other clubs, it's maybe a little bit less distance, but I still think the distance component is where we see people buying and the retailers tell us that. They say, Hey, if you get in the hit bay and you're the hot club, you're going to sell. And then what happens with these fitters, Uh, And, again, the fitters do a great job out there, and I think that's grown quite a bit, especially with some of the bigger uh, off-course guys that have been doing a lot more training, doing a lot more education and, and learning. You know, these guys are like, hey, once we figure out early on in the season which ones are the hot clubs, and when someone comes in and says, what's hot, these fitters say, hey, I've been having really good luck with this club. And so that's kind of the game is, you know, how do you get that reputation as the hot golf club? Um, and part of that, Ralph, as we know, the hot golf club is one that, uh, sells a lot and usually sells because it goes further.
0: You've had a lot of hot performance on tour working with guys like Ricky Fowler and Bryson DeChambeau, Ricky more traditional in his type of swing. And then you've got Bryson who led to the one length uh, club phenomenon.
1: Yeah. And those two guys are great to work with, you know, and we spend a lot of time with them both, you know, Bryson talks to us a lot of times, you know, calling us up. Uh, and almost at any hour <laughs> and to say, Hey, what about this idea? You know, or what about that idea? You know, and he has about uh, three or four of us. He has on a, on a direct, you know, cell phone call where he, he, he just wants to talk product. You know, Bryson is really technical and really into product. So, you know, that's one of the things that he's, he's fun to talk to. He's a little bit challenging at times, but certainly fun and, and challenges us, which is good. Uh, Rick's um, Rick's not quite that way, but Rick is very keen on equipment. You know, as you know, he obviously, Uh, is very keen on all kinds of things in terms of uh, his brand and styling and being a leader. He's been a leader since he was young uh, and he still likes being a leader. He works intensively with us on a lot of the design aspects and the performance aspects on, on all the clubs. Um, As you know, he's got his own set of irons now that he designed with us and uh, you know, he's really keen on, Hey, how do we make these clubs better and what can we do? And, and also about selling, you know, Rick is keen on the whole commerciality of products and you know, he, he understands it you know i think he's one of the the young athletes that understands the way the modern world works from a standpoint of the athlete the brand selling you know all those things um so he he's great at that uh and typically in many cases we uh, between some of us and uh, ben shoman our rep we're talking to those guys all the time about product how do we make it better talking about technologies uh you know it, what we we had some uh, conversation with rick this spring you know and it was it was fun because Normally, we'd go out to see them on our trips to see retailers. We'd do an early pre-line to get some uh, feedback from, from how things are going and, and what the next model line is going to be. And uh, we couldn't do that this year. So we set it up to have uh, you know they, these kind of Zoom calls with them. And what we did was we shipped Rick uh, a bunch of club heads, uh, some different ideas, and then we got on the call with them. And it was really fun because... Uh, his wife Allison was there in the background doing some stuff and, the, and this cat was there watching him mess around <laughs> with heads and he's giving us some feedback and looking at things and um, it was really a great session with him and typically we would do that in the tour truck um, but we were able to do that you know via the technology so that was really fun and good to do and, and he gives us a lot of uh, good direction there. He's got a good eye um, and, and helps us with a lot of design elements uh, and he's also a great player you know so he's also keen on Hey, how do we design this technology, and how can it benefit me? And and what, how is it going to benefit the amateur? So, so, Rick is great for that, uh, and Bryson is, is is as well. You know, I think Bryson is um, probably another key player. Then, you know, our guys are great when because they're thinking about not only themselves but also how do we sell to amateurs? How does this product look? How does it perform? You know, is it going to be successful? Because they know they're part of the team, and I think that's one of the keys with you know all these athletes is. You know, you get some team players who are really fun to work with, and you get some guys who are like, ah, okay, just give me some clubs and I'll play. Um, but our our guys are are really good team players, and we also signed you know Jason Duffner uh, in the past year. Jason is really a key club guy as well. You know, he's he was playing our stuff before we signed him. He tried everybody's product, and he found that you know some of our stuff was better. So uh, he's a bit of a club junkie. So he's good. In fact, you know, we we uh, we had to kind of calm them down a little bit we sent them some prototypes things and they weren't even painted and finished and he's like this is awesome i'm gonna put it in play and we're like oh please don't do that <laughs> you know um so you know we, we we tend to because of our brand and our persona we, we tend to attract um people who like that and are really valuable to us uh, as we say around here we don't have a ton of tour players but the ones we have really move the needle and really help us both in product design and uh, and everything else we need to do with our brand
0: Well, I like to wrap up here on the range by taking you back into your portfolio and excluding your current speed zone models because you may be a little biased on that because that's the newest. uh, Is there a particular club design that jumps out to you as being a personal favorite looking back?
1: Oh, that's a tough one, Ralph. You know, the the comment usually is, hey, you know, when you have multiple kids, they're all your favorite. You know, you can't Mm -hmm. pick one. So it's hard for me and even my son who's 11 now says, Daddy, what's your favorite movie? I said, well, I don't have one, but I have a top five, you know, so I usually give them the top five, um, you know, and, and things like that. So, you know, some great designs, some designs were breakthrough, some were, um, you know, really successful sales and some, you know, maybe not so. But um, I, I think one of the things that, you know, I look back to our recent history with Cobra, you know, the King LTD was a great product. Um, that was something that was really a breakthrough at its time. And we still see that as a, a great performing product you know and and funny enough you know bryson was using that head until recently because we didn't have anything in strong enough loss for him as he kind of bulked up so Mm -hmm. that old head in the king ltd was very strong uh so we had to make a new speed zone for him this year as some of you may know it's a five and a half degree it's mark seven and when you get the sleeve in there you can get it down to five and a half so um you know those are some things that you got to do for for bryson now that he's he's changing the game a little bit um, so ltd was again a, a breakthrough product um you know i think the one length irons was something that was really exciting and you know we hope that continues strongly like it has been um we think it benefits all kinds of golfers and that was something that was a, a really fun exciting product um not just for the marketplace but but even for me personally i have some back issues and my lower back pain kind of went away you know trying to play short iron so that's something that we know helps a lot of golfers um you know some of the old stuff you brought it up you know the first move away. Uh, driver a TaylorMade, you know R7 was something. There was a number of products that TaylorMade that were very successful, but all of those were, you know, uh, working with a big, uh, a great team and, and working with some great ideas. So um, those are some exciting ones. Um, you know, did did a few irons over the years that were fun. You know, I think uh, you know we look at today's Speed Zone iron again. Like you said, you can't tell that one, but that one's really exciting. Um, Forge Tech has been really good for us um all these things are fun you know they're all you all you love them all you know some are harder than others um and some take a little bit more work and you know no one sees the the internal challenges and what was hard to do so some of them have more memory that way of how you work together as a team you know other than what people know as the commercial successes so you remember all those you know, and, and you remember all the, the challenges. You remember some of the things that you that you learned that didn't work. You know, so you you try and say, hey, there's a there's a boundary up there somewhere, and I, I, I was out there once and it didn't work. So that helps us a little bit. Now we want to explore all kinds of things, so we try not to limit our teams too much. Um, you know, the the one of the drivers I did early on that was uh, at made was the excuse me a tideless was the Howitzer, which was a you know at at the time a breakthrough product that brand probably wasn't positioned at the time to take advantage of some of the benefits that it provided. Um, and you know, we kind of got skunked by Callaway in a few areas there. So, um, there, that one was, uh, was a lot of hard work and a lot of breakthrough stuff before it's time. So that was kind of fun to get into. Uh, and it was, it kind of came from my uncle who was, um, had worked in the, in the titanium industry. Um, so I had an interest in that a long time ago, and that was before, you know, Titanium was really in the U.S. So there was a lot of personal connection for me on that project, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's been fun all through the years.
0: I say it's great to look at a bag of golf clubs, and it's almost like look, looking at, a, at, a, at an old picture album that you get to see all these great memories that come flooding through just from a simple club.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun, you know, because you, you get very intimate, you know, when you're working on these products, you know, you you know about, the struggle you might've had with this little groove somewhere or the radius or some silly little thing like that, that most people wouldn't give two hoots about and probably don't even notice. Um, but you, you remember those because it's part of what you were intimately involved with. Um, you understand all the pain and the struggle and sometimes the joy and, and sometimes the light bulb going off where you said, Hey, what about this? And it actually works. You know, so those are the fun things about what we do.
0: Well, Tom, it's always a pleasure talking clubs with you. We break down every Cobra Club every year, and it's a treat to sit down in this format so we can actually kind of talk about the science and the art behind it. So thank you again for joining me.
1: Yeah, Ralph, I love talking about uh, golf clubs with you and love talking with people. So, you know, this is good. People say I talk too much sometimes, but I think in this format, that's really good.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Take care, Ralph. That is Tom Olsavsky, the Vice President of Research and Development for Cobra Golf, and seriously, I could have peppered him with questions for hours about the incredible work he's done over the years. He is a true craftsman. Now before we go, there is a lot of discussion about the PGA Tour and COVID-19. So far, a handful of players and caddies have withdrawn from events after testing positive or having close proximity to those that have. This is how the process is supposed to work. They'll quarantine, hopefully test negative in a couple of weeks, and return to the course. Those who continue to test negative should take precautions, follow the tour guidelines, and be smart by following protocols when away from the course. Those who are not comfortable should step back. No penalty. Just allow each professional to make the best decision for him. There are still a lot of positives to take away from the return of professional golf. Let's enjoy them. If you want to know more about golf equipment, including everything that's out there from Cobra Golf, subscribe to us on YouTube at The Golf Spotlight. For the latest on the range, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That's right, at The Golf Spotlight. We welcome your comments as well. And you've listened this far, so subscribe to The Range on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. We have new shows every Wednesday, and they'll be there waiting for you. We hope you get out and play well, and we'll see you here next time